0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 2. We are finishing up with this segment of 1 Peter. We'll continue with... uh, first Peter and finish the rest of the book a little bit later after our next Sunday school series but as for now as we've been taking our time looking at this wonderful epistle understanding that the theme of it is to strengthen the brethren that this is written for the purpose of strengthening those Christians during this time where persecutions right around the corner to help them develop the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ before it becomes hard to do so and in chapter number number 2 we see this theme even more pronounced of keeping our eyes on him so notice with me if you don't mind the book of first peter chapter number 2 the book of first peter chapter 2 and notice with me in verse number 4 first peter chapter number 2 and verse number 4 the bible says this to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men but chosen of god and Precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, that he that believeth on him should not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were Appointed, and if you don't mind, notice three different times the word "precious" is used in this passage. At the end of verse number four, it talks about Jesus being precious. Once again, in verse number six, um, finding we see that it's talking about Jesus being a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and then verse number seven: "Unto you, therefore, which believe, He is." Precious, and with that, that last statement. Notice it. It says He is precious. He is precious, and with the Lord's help, we want to talk about this—that He is precious—and we want to see be strong in considering Him. Who's this? Him? Jesus Christ you know, this word precious is not something we usually use, especially for a guy. I remember I had a troubled teenager uh, that I was teaching in high school. And I remember looking at him and trying to help him, encourage him. I had a good relationship with him. And I remember one day I looked at him and I said, you know what? You are precious. And he looked at me and kind of laughed. And then he Looked shocked, and then it bothered him. He kept coming uh, <laughs> a couple times that day, and a couple times afterwards. and said, "What do you mean by precious? What are you calling me precious for? You don't use words uh, <laughs> lightly. Why? What am I precious?" and And uh, <laughs> it actually turned to be a good lesson because he was thinking about this word, precious. What did it mean precious? Well, the idea of precious carries the idea that it is valuable because it is rare. It is special because of its rarity. And we know that there's only one like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that makes him precious. He is valuable because he's one of a kind. There's only one like the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this, because of the rarity, because of its value, Jesus Christ should be something that is precious to me. Precious to me. If you had something, a family heirloom that was precious to you, people could not buy that and and you couldn't sell it away. It's something that's precious to you. It holds a great value to you. Well, the idea of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he should be so precious to us that it is invaluable. It's something that we need to have. It's something that belongs in our life. It's something that we should look up to. It's something that we should put in high regard that Jesus Christ, he is precious. You know, all throughout the book of 1st and 2nd Peter, that word precious is used quite a bit at times, more than any other section of the Bible. And in it, we see in the book of 1st Peter 1.7, it says that the trial of our faith is precious. In 1st Peter 1.19, it talked about the blood of Christ is precious. Here in verse uh, number four of chapter number two, it talks about the living stone of Jesus Christ. He is precious. Chapter two, verse seven, where we were at, it talked about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is precious. Second Peter one, one, it talks about like precious faith. And then in first Peter one or second Peter one, four, it talked about precious promises you know, when you see this idea of precious and see how the Apostle Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Scripture uses it, we could see these precious things have one thing in common, the Lord Jesus Christ, of who he is. You know, we do sing a song that he is so precious to me. Well, we need to think about that Is he precious to you? Is he something that has great value? Is he something that you want to be close to? Is he something that you want to be a part of your life? Well, that is part of him being precious. Something that you don't want to do without. Something that you don't want to be set aside. Now inside of this passage where we're seeing in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Lord is emphasizing the idea that Jesus Christ is a stone. In fact, Peter quotes the book of Isaiah in this. In Isaiah's day, (laughs) when everything was falling apart... They had a stone they could stand on. And that was Jesus Christ. That was the Lord. That he was this foundation that everything could get built off of. And so if you don't mind, let's take this passage as we see about the Lord Jesus Christ being precious. And let's look at some things from this passage to learn more about who Jesus is. The first thing we want to point out is our foundation. Our foundation. Now once again, this idea that Jesus Christ is the chief stone, the cornerstone, the headstone. It's mentioned throughout the Bible. In Psalm 118.22 it says, the stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. Now what's a cornerstone? Now in the ancient world what they would do is the first stone that they would lay would be the cornerstone of the foundation. And it would be designed to make sure that it was a correct right angle. And they would line up the rest of the stones according to that, that line that the stone had and so if the stone was off just a bit let's say that it wasn't a natural 90 degree angle everybody know what a 90 degree angle is right all right so it went straight up and straight down if it wasn't angled at 90 degrees maybe it was like 85 it may not look off when you set it down but when you start building the rest of the building you'll notice after a while that this whole thing is not straight how would you like to live in a diamond shaped House instead of a square house? Well, things wouldn't sit right. and They wouldn't look right. What if you had one wall that was straight and one that was angled just a bit? And it made the house kind of awkward to live in. And so that foundation that everything in the house was built off, that everything the building was off, was based off of that one stone. And so as the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us by his precious blood and we've accepted him, he becomes chief of the corner. And everything in our life should line up to that cornerstone for everything to be built in our life correctly. He is the stone that everything must line up to. Let's say that (laughs) <laughs> we had the chief cornerstone. And instead of using that chief cornerstone as a guide, we just started laying rocks to build the foundation wherever we wanted. Well, what would happen is that you wouldn't have a building that was straight or even. The foundation has to be set by that cornerstone. Inside of our life, Jesus must be the one that sets our life in order. Everything in our life should be built on that chief cornerstone on that foundation and this is what this passage is referring to this foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ remember that he needs to be precious that our eyes it needs to be valuable Jesus needs to be so valuable that he lines up our life according to him this chief stone notice as we read this in the book of first Peter chapter 2 notice with me in verse number 4 to whom coming as unto a living stone may I remind you that the stone that we have is not dead but he is alive he is a living stone and that is our hope to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and is precious you know there are many people who have disallowed this stone to be their chief corner But God's the one who chose the cornerstone. He's the one that said we build our life of. Many people want to reject Jesus and don't want to put him as part of their life. But they're missing out. They're not going to have the building that God designed and wanted them to have. Verse number five. But ye also as lively stones. Notice, we're living stones. We're alive because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've passed from death to life. Ye as lively stones are built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and to Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that verse here in a bit. Verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion. Remember, Zion is a different word for Jerusalem. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him should not be confounded." Remember that Jesus was the promises and the fulfillment of the promises to all the Hebrew people and to the fulfillment of prophecy. It was all based off Jesus Christ. And by the way, that same prophecies we get to apply to our life because Jesus wanted salvation to the Hebrew people. God also Jesus' blood was enough to save the entire world and not just the Hebrew people. And we're thankful that we could build upon that same promise and that he is precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded you know you ever think about the term that we use that someone is lost what does it mean to be lost it means that they don't know where they're going well where are we going we need to be going to where God is to spend time with him that's the whole thing that heaven's great but what makes heaven worth going there that God is there and so when we say that someone is lost it's because they don't know how to get there well we want to let them know through the road map of Jesus Christ. This is how to get to it. And so here we could see that someone who believes on him, Jesus, will not be confounded. We're not lost. We're not confused. We know exactly what's going to happen because we trusted in the promises of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the whole head of the corner. Now here we can see that there is a choice. <coughs> and so we talked about this living stone and that Jesus Christ is the stone and he should build. But the second thing I want to bring to your attention here is our faith. Our faith. Notice again in verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient disobedient to what they're rejecting Jesus Christ notice this the stone which the builders disallowed the stone which the builders rejected Jesus Christ is the foundation and it's our way to heaven it's our way to accept Christ or to have our sins forgiven it's our way to have the life that God wanted us to have it's Jesus Christ but people have disallowed him said I don't want him as my stone I don't want to build my life off of him they are disobedient They're disobedient to what God has given them to do. And the same is made the head of the corner. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Actually, that word offense carries that same idea of stumbling. So a stone of stumbling, the rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So we understand that our faith comes from looking at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And because of whom he is, that he should be precious. But there are some people who stumble at Jesus Christ. I know this is what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do my own thing. And they stumble over Jesus Christ. You see, God is so good at putting the word in our path you ever think about that? That how many obstacles God puts in your life to keep you away from sin and how often we have to climb over those obstacles to get to that sin. Maybe it's something like a reminder. I'm thinking about doing this sin and then maybe the preacher says it or maybe some friend calls and happens to say something about it and we have that reminder but I gotta I want that sin. And so I stumble over that. Even though God put a roadblock in my way. I had to go around it. Go. I had to do something with it. That's what this idea of the stone of offense. The stone of stumbling is. That God has put something in our way. Put something in our path. Maybe it was just a reminder. Look at him. Look at him. And we're like, I don't want to look at him. I want to look at this thing here. And puts that stone of reminding. That stone of stumbling. That stone that's in our path. Like you said, maybe it's the idea that you're mad and bitter with someone. And so someone reminds you that you're supposed to forgive everyone. What am I going to do with this stone? I got to do something. I stumble over it to get over the path. Again, it's amazing how many times God will put something in our path, in our way to keep us from sin. And we have to crime over it. We have to go around it. We have to do something with it. We stumble over it. And again, what does the Bible say? Twice it uses the word disobedient. Verse 7 But unto you which believe, he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Verse 8 And the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they appoint it. We know that people have to do something with Jesus in order for salvation. But those who are saved, we have the cornerstone, but we have to choose to allow to build our life over it. And if not, we could stumble over it, trying to build what we want out of our life and trying to get things to set up. And again, God is trying to put a word picture of a house, of a foundation, of the building and all of this in our life. And God says, I gave you the plan. I gave you something to set your life over. And you could choose to use that guide stone which is there. Or you could stumble over it and try to do things yourself. That's your choice. The Bible says you're disobedient. You're stumbling over it. You're not building what you should have had in your life. We could see the faith here. This is why so many people don't enjoy the Christian life. Because our joy comes from Jesus Christ. And if he's not precious, think about this now. Jesus is either going to be precious or he's going to be in the way. And if we were to be honest with us as Christians, that's where we're at. We have to choose, is he precious or is he in the way of what I want to get done? Now... I'm a pastor, but I'm made of the steel, real stuff that you are made out of. And I know that this is the choice that I make in my life, so I'm assuming that the same thing happens to you if we were to be honest with ourselves. I have Jesus. Is he precious to me? Should I take the time to spend more time with him? Or is he in the way? I'd rather go watch Facebook, YouTube, whatever else. We have to decide is he precious or is he in the way? Do we stumble over him? Because we have to do something with that rock. Now again, this brings it back home. It's easier to look at someone else. You've rejected this cornerstone. It's another thing to understand that we trip over this all the time on a daily basis. And the choice is simple. Is he precious or is he a rock of offense, a rock of stumbling? Which brings us to the last thing here, our fellowship our fellowship. Notice with me in verse number five. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Now, as God is putting this, he's now telling us this is a spiritual thing. We have Jesus Christ and he is the living stone. And because of Jesus Christ dying for our sins and us personally accepting him to forgive our sins and for us to set those aside, now we've made living stones, lively stones, and that we're going to be placed together. Again, the Bible uses this illustration in the book of Ephesians talking about a local church, that we're stones that are put together. We're the building that God has fitted together and built together. And there should be a fellowship. But what is our fellowship based off of? The cornerstone. The cornerstone. Of who Jesus is. Our fellowship should be based off of who God is. And who he is. Notice again in verse 5. Ye also as lively stones built up to a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. Notice this. The holy priesthood. This carries the idea of anyone who's been born again. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior. The Holy Spirit who is God comes to live with inside of us. And now... Every single one of us have equal access to who God is. Dr. Curtis Hudson, one of my spiritual fathers, he uh, was dying of cancer and he was on his way out. When he had a father come to him in a desperate state and he said, Dr. Hudson, I understand that you're going to be going home to glory soon. That you're going to be seeing God And Dr. Hudson said, yes, absolutely, I I am. It's a reality. He says, when you get to heaven, can you ask God to heal my son? My son's very sick. Would you go ask God when you get to heaven, just talk to him face to face? And Dr. Hudson said, no. What do you mean, no? He says, listen, you have as much access to God right now here in the flesh as I will when I'm in heaven standing before him. You don't need to wait till I die. You could go talk to God right now and have as much access as I do. Because of this doctrine of the priesthood, the believer, this teaching, every single one of us have access to God. Every one of us can talk to God for ourselves. Every single one of us can spend time with him. This is this idea of this holy priesthood. Notice again verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up to a spiritual house unholy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Notice this, that we are to offer spiritual sacrifices. Now, again, was we're talking about these, that we're a spiritual... Uh, building. We have a priesthood. We have a spiritual s- guidestone. We're also supposed to set up spiritual sacrifices. Now, we understand there are real sacrifices we can give. We can give of our fin- finances. We can give of our talents. But here is it spiritual sacrifices. What are these spiritual sacrifices? Ourselves. Romans 10, uh, 12, 1, and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living Sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That because Jesus is precious and because we have access to God, that we should also offer spiritual sacrifices of ourselves. God, this is your building. This is your plan. You put me where you want. I'm not going to say where I'm supposed to be. You put me where you want me to be. You place me in that position. You put me in a place where I can be a best help. Lord, if you want to be me to be a door, I'll be a door. If you want me to be the doorkeeper, I'll be the doorkeeper. If you want me to be the roof, I'll be the roof. If you want me to be a pillar, I'll be a pillar. Lord, you put me in a place. Now we understand we're talking about a spiritual house. What we are trying to imply that everyone has a part to play. Everyone's important. Can you go to any part of this building and say, you know what, that's really not that important. Well, everything has a function in a building. Even if it's to sit there and look pretty, that has a function. Aesthetics are important. Walls are important. Rugs are important. And we understand that God will remodel and God will do things, but everything has a function. Everything has a purpose. They're not all the same purpose, but we can allow God to put it the way that he designed it. He's the master builder. He knows how to put it together. Our part is because he's precious and because he's the cornerstone to allow God to put us and snap us to the place where we are supposed to be and allow God to have the choice that we just offer the spiritual sacrifices. Again, verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are Built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices, notice this, acceptable to God by Christ. We are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We're supposed to be acceptable. We know that in building there are some unacceptable pieces. You could get some scrap pieces and you look at the two-by-four and look down and it's come from Lowe's or Menards, and it's all twisted. For those of you who build, you understand. You have the twisted wood, or the one that's all knotted wood. All right. Well, this isn't the best piece to use. God wants us to be acceptable. Something that's not trash. Uh, I I once was at a place where they bragged about the church being uh, trash diggers. They would go into the dumpsters and pull out other people's stuff. And yeah, there's some good stuff that you could pull out. It's amazing what people will throw away. However, doesn't the house of the Lord deserve good stuff? Not leftovers or secondhand or holy stuff? Or it's almost like, all right, we're going to have a can drive and we're going to give to the missionaries. And everybody gives the lima beans and nobody gives the good stuff. And it's the leftovers. Well, if we do that with physical stuff, isn't it quite possible we end up doing it with our spiritual stuff? That we give our best to the world, our best to this, and our best to this, our best to our hobbies, our best to this, and then God gets our leftovers. God says, I want this sacrifice to be acceptable. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you as you are, and he wants to help make you and stuff. He does not desire for you to go ruin your life, twist it all up, and then finally when you're old on your deathbed, now I want to be used of God. He'll be glad to use you, but you could have been more effective earlier. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, what I'm trying to say is that God could use you as you are. God's given you health and life and strength. That we should be acceptable, not give him the leftovers. He is worthy. Now why? Because he's precious. He's precious. So the question is, is Jesus precious to you or is he a stone of offense? Is he a rock of stumbling? He's either precious to you or he's in the way. Now next time you start get tempted with sin and that will probably be soon, maybe even before the service is over, who knows? Yeah. You're going to have to make a choice. Is he precious or is he in the way? This is one of the ways that will wake you up to sin and wake you up to your own thinking. To realize all the things that God has placed in your way to keep you from that sin that you have to push aside to get to it. I know my life that happens often. And stupid me, I'll recognize it and I'll still climb over the stupid rock. I'm just being honest. It's amazing your mindset when (laughs) those things happen. Is he precious or is he in the way? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness